You're listening to Hello Movies, a podcast to get you off the couch and into the theater. I'm Lana Gay. This week, we talk to Julian Fellows, the writer and director of the Downton Abbey movie. That is something to look forward to. We take a look at the new Brad Pitt in outer space movie, Ad Astra. We're counting on you to find out what's happening out there. Plus, Brad Pitt not in space trivia. And a look at what films inspired you to make changes in your life. Repeat after me. I am Jenna Rank, Big Time Magazine editor. I am. And a chat about upcoming movies with Cineplex Magazine's Marnie Wise. This is amazing! No way. It's time to do a little listening before watching. Let's get started. The Downton Abbey movie is coming. And if you love the period TV drama, you know why this is such a big deal. If you haven't seen it, beware. The movie is likely to get you hooked and you'll need to run home and go watch the whole series as soon as you leave the theater. The movie kicks off when the Crawley family gets some very big news. The king and queen are coming to Downton. What? Our colleagues at Cineplex Magazine spoke to series creator Julian Fellows, who wrote the movie as well as every single episode of the show. In a phone call from his desk in London, he dodged spoilers but gave a preview of what both fans and newbies can expect. The royal visit affects everyone because it affects how the downstairs people get involved in it and how they're treated and the upstairs people, how they get involved in it and how it takes over their life. So in a sense, that is the kind of trunk and the other stories of the branches. A royal luncheon, a parade and a dinner. I'm going to have to sit down. And while it's taking over their life, all the other stories in the movie come out of that. The royal butler's terribly scary. <laughs> Stay out of our way. I am their majesty, chef. I want the only boy now. He wants a clip round the ear now. So is this movie going to kick up the action? Moving a TV show to the big screen with a different budget and a bigger story to tell brings a whole new set of options. Fellows explained his approach. There are people who differ when they make films out of television series. Sometimes people make them entirely different, and the whole cast goes off to Hawaii or something. Um, Whereas others, they try to make a bigger, brighter, better version of the TV show that is more suited to the big screen. And I would say of those two options, we went with the latter. Apart from anything else, we couldn't really change the principal location because the house is one of the main characters in the show. And I can't imagine making a very significant episode or movie without the house. We can't either. Joanne Froggett, who plays Anna Bates, talked about what it was like returning to the house with the rest of the cast. The first day was very surreal. We were all really giddy. We were like, I can't believe we're here. Fellows said that the experience was especially poignant for him, since he never expected it to happen. I went down very early on to Highclere, and there I parked my car in the same place, and I walked down the drive, and there everyone was, and they were all in their costumes, and we'd go into the same rooms, and there was something quite surreal, really, because when we'd finished there, we all thought that was it, that was the end, and because uh, there wasn't a movie planned when we finished the series. Uh, And so it was rather peculiar to be back, but nice peculiar, you know. To make a Downton Abbey movie work, you absolutely must get the original cast back for it. But since the show wrapped up in 2015, the actors have been busy with everything from Harry Potter video games to TV shows to Paddington movies. 
Jim Carter, who plays Carson, made a documentary about music, and Elizabeth McGovern, who plays Cora, is in a band called Sadie and the Hotheads. So given all that, was it hard to get the whole gang back together? Well, it was difficult logistically. It wasn't difficult in that they all wanted to do it. But they all have now got these other careers, and they're on Broadway, and they're in series, and they're making movies, and so on and so forth. And so, in fact, finding a time when they could all be making the picture for three months, that was pretty difficult. Uh, And we had to work around a few things. But, you know, they were all keen to do it. Just like with a Marvel movie, there's a lot we won't know until we get to the theater. Fellows was secretive about what other stories might pop up, no matter how many times he was asked. But at least he enjoyed being asked. I love these questions because you must presumably know I'm not going to answer any of them. No spoilers. Fine, no spoilers. We do know one thing. The royal visit is going to shake everybody up, especially the servants. Our staff have nothing to do. Nothing. It's not right for us to be humiliated in this way. See, Pete. We want to defend Downton's honor. We think we should fight back. (laughs) This is treason. But while there are big events happening at Downton, the movie will stick to what the show always did best, making us care deeply about the characters. Fellows writes them in such a way that nobody is ever one-dimensional. I like to mix up people and give them sympathetic and unsympathetic things to do so you can't make your mind up about them easily. I always get a little bit bored when you're told this is the hero and that's the heroine and they're the baddies. And with Fellows writing the script, we can expect the usual repartee between Maggie Smith's Dowager Countess and her friend and occasional rival, Isabel. Well, you have enough cliches to get you through the visit. If not, I'll come to you. Here we go. So what is Fellows hoping people will get from the movie? It's undisappointing for the fans. I hope they enjoy it. Uh, And they feel they've had the Downton experience again. That was really what I was aiming at. And I hope we've managed it. And that might not be the end of it. He gave us a wee glimmer of hope when asked about the possibility of a sequel. Well, there's always that chance. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Downton Abbey opens in theaters this week. This movie season has seen Brad Pitt as a stuntman in 1970s Los Angeles in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and now as an astronaut searching for his dad in outer space in Ad Astra. But he didn't always get every part he auditioned for. In fact, he was deemed not funny enough to be a guest star on the TV show Cheers. Not to mention that he lost out on some pretty big roles. Heathers went to Christian Slater. Backdraft went to Billy Baldwin, and Keanu Reeves ended up in The Devil's Advocate. But hey, now he's a bona fide leading man whose name on the marquee can fill up a movie theater. He was also the first to be People Magazine's sexiest man alive twice. Whatever weight that has. Long before he was a Hollywood A-lister, he had to earn a living like the rest of us. Of course, he's not really that much like the rest of us. So his jobs weren't either. Want some examples? He was a limo driver and assistant for strippers. And he dressed as a giant chicken for a restaurant called El Pollo Loco, the crazy chicken. After that, he worked his way up to being in a Pringles commercial and guest starring on the 80s sitcom Growing Pains. He's a hard worker and a fascinating guy. So here's some fun facts about the talented Mr. Pitt. Three are true and one is completely false. Which one do you think we made up? One... He's been a gun owner since he was six. Two, he's Barack Obama's distant cousin. 
Three, he's a licensed tattoo artist. Four, he's not allowed to visit China. We'll give you the answer in just a bit. Now that we're testing your Brad Pitt trivia knowledge, let's talk about his newest movie, Ad Astra. The title means "To the Stars" in Latin, and yes, that's where he's going. If Brad Pitt in space didn't grab you, and frankly, it should have, here are four more reasons why you should go see this movie on the big screen. One, it's actually about something. Sure, it's a big sci-fi movie with lots of special effects and big stars, the acting kind as well as the celestial ones, but it's also a deeply personal story. Brad Pitt plays Roy McBride, an astronaut who's haunted by the fact that his dad died when he was a teenager. Then one day he gets called in for a classified briefing from his bosses at Spacecom. What can you tell us about the Lima project? Its objective was to search for advanced extraterrestrial life. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. And the commander was? He was my father, sir. Roy gets some big news in the briefing. His father, played by Tommy Lee Jones, he still may be alive, but Spacecom hasn't been able to find him. This might come as quite a shock to you. Your father was experimenting with a highly classified material that could threaten our entire solar system. All life would be destroyed. We're counting on you to find out what's happening out there. Roy is sent on a mission to Neptune to find his dad, but Brad Pitt says his character's journey is about something more primal than mere space exploration. It's a very human story about self and discovery of self. What is vulnerability? What is strength? Where does strength really come from? Director James Gray adds that as Roy gets deeper out into space, he's moving farther away from more than just his home planet. And this idea of continually looking out. Has its benefits, but sometimes the need to look outward is more about trying to avoid looking inward. He also points out that being an astronaut is about humanity at its most basic. We're not really meant to be in space, to be floating around 250 miles outside the atmosphere. But the drive of the human spirit is to explore. And that brings us to number two. The setting of this movie is fascinating. The story takes place in the future, but a not so distant one. In this future, people on Earth are fighting over resources and land. Sound familiar? The moon has become a tourist destination, with people taking overpriced commercial flights to get there. When they arrive, they can go to a lunar shopping mall and pick up fast food. Not only that, there are moon pirates. We've been having trouble with pirates since September. Some countries have been giving them safe haven. They'll take hostages or go for our rovers. It's like the Wild West out there. Reason number three shouldn't surprise you, given the setting. The movie has stunning visuals and beautiful sound. There are gorgeous shots of Roy free falling in space right at the beginning, and later he goes swimming in an underground Martian lake. The director and cinematographer collaborated to keep the shots interesting, using custom wide lenses to get extremely close focus. They also adjusted the frame rate to give an underwater quality to visuals, like Roy's spacewalk. Post production, where they added constellations, rocket flames, planets, and more, it took two years. The sound designer Gary Rydstrom has been nominated for 17 Oscars for his previous work. 
He won seven of them for huge, spectacle-filled movies like Titanic, Jurassic Park, and Saving Private Ryan. This is a movie you want to see on the biggest screen you can find with the very best sound system. Please state your mission objective. I am attempting to stop an uncontrolled antimatter reaction, which threatens our entire solar system. We're approaching Mars. And finally, reason number four. This movie is a complete original. Director James Gray and co-writer Ethan Gross have been friends since they were at film school together. They watched all the space films they could find, focusing on the loneliness that is an inseparable part of an astronaut's life. Okay, did all that convince you? If not, just go back to where we started. It's Brad Pitt in outer space, people. Sold. We have a job to do. Are you ready? I'm ready. Earlier in the podcast, we gave you four fascinating facts about the star of Ad Astra, Brad Pitt, but only three of them were true. Did you spot the fake? Okay, here they are again. One, he's been a gun owner since he was six. Two, he's Barack Obama's distant cousin. Three, he's a licensed tattoo artist. Or four, he's not allowed to visit China. So has he been a gun owner since age six? Yeah. He got his grandfather's shotgun when he was in kindergarten. He says it's a rite of passage when you grow up in Missouri. You inherit your ancestors' guns. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, Can he go to China? He cannot. So that one is also true. Ever since he made the movie Seven Years in Tibet, he's been banned from entering the country. That leaves two more. Surprise, surprise, he is related to former U.S. President Barack Obama. They're ninth cousins. So... The fake story is that he's a licensed tattoo artist. He does have a lot of tattoos, but he doesn't do them to himself. He does, however, design furniture professionally and has a pilot's license. So he has something to fall back on if the acting and producing well runs dry. And here's a freebie for you. When he was playing Achilles in the 2004 movie Troy, he tore, that's right, his Achilles tendon. Not fun. Has a movie ever inspired you to do something radical? Change your life in some way? How about something small? Maybe you bought a new outfit, tried a new skill, ate something you've never tasted before. Seeing the movie Amelie got me interested in going to Paris. Once I was there, of course, I had to stay in Montmartre and just around the corner from where Amelie worked at her cafe. There was just something about the warmth and the whimsy of that movie that really convinced me to go. And it was a great trip. We put the call out on social media to see if you ever had a movie move you so much that you got up and did something that you wouldn't have otherwise normally done. We got some great answers. Kaylin said after seeing the Sex in the City movie, she was inspired to pursue an internship in New York City when she was 18. That's pretty cool. Oh, you just said a mouthful there, sister. Jillian told us that Jennifer Garner's 13 Going on 30 inspired her to work in magazines. She added that the 100-foot journey about a battle between two restaurants in a French village made her obsess over cooking the perfect omelet. An equally worthy goal in my book. Here are a few big ones. Remember October Sky? It starred a 19-year-old Jake Gyllenhaal as a coal miner's son inspired by the launch of Sputnik 1 in 1957 to start building rockets. 
Kevin, who is a teacher, said he watched the movie with his fifth grade class and was himself inspired to invent an indoor rocket launcher. The launcher was picked up by a science education company and sold to classrooms across the country. I love it. Chelsea reported she made a move on a friend after watching that Julia Roberts movie, My Best Friend's Wedding. That's a risk that could have gone either way. Thankfully, she filled in the ending. They've been married for 10 years. I just asked myself, what would Lucy Ricardo do in this situation? So get yourself into a movie theater. It might change your life. Thanks to everyone who reached out on Instagram and Twitter and shared their stories. We love hearing from you. Don't forget to follow Cineplex on Facebook or Cineplex Movies on Instagram and Twitter and tell us what you're excited to see next. You'll also find the latest on new movies and get updates about our podcast. I'm here with Marnie Wise, the editor of Cineplex magazine, and she's filling in for Tanner Zipchin. He's on the road. He's busy gathering content for the Cineplex pre-show. So let's chat with Marnie. Marnie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So I saw Abominable director Jill Colton on the TIFF red carpet last week. Abominable hits theaters this week. What can you tell us about about this animated movie? It's about a teenage girl named Yi who lives in Shanghai. And one day she finds a Yeti on the roof of her apartment building. And she and two of her friends, Jin and Pang, embark on this journey to get their Yeti home. Oh, it sounds it sounds lovely and sweet. And it's a DreamWorks uh, picture, is it not? It is DreamWorks, yeah. yeah. I think they they do wonderful work. Uh, who are the voices of these characters? So the Yi is voiced by Chloe Bennett. Pang is Albert Tsai. The most interesting one is Jin. So Jin is voiced by a young actor. He's 18. His name is, is Tenzin Norgay Trainer, And in the movie... The character of Jin is this very posh kid, this very urban kid. He doesn't like to camp, and he's so out of his element on this trip to uh, Mount Everest. And yet he is actually the grandson of the most famous Sherpa of one of the first two men to reach the summit of Mount Everest, Tenzing Norgay. Wow. Okay. Well, that's why it sounded familiar, but that's, that's really interesting. What an interesting casting. What was the highlight? Was the ending, did you cry at the end? Uh, I cried not quite at the end. I cried, I won't tell you where, a few places throughout. I only cry in animated movies. I feel like I often cry more when I watch animated movies as well. They're so good at it. Mm-hmm. Pixar especially, they've got a whole department that's just there to make you cry. Really? The tears department? They do. <laughs> really? They do. It's called that or something similar. But no, you're right on. They actually do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go now to the polar opposite. Uh, I, the actual complete polar opposite uh, would be Rambo, Last Blood, that comes out on the 20th. Now, have you heard much about that one? The f- is it the fifth? It is the fifth. It's So the official synopsis even calls it the final. And yet Sylvester Stallone was at Cannes in May. He was asked a question from somebody in the audience who called it the final movie, and he stopped her right there. And he said, wait, wait, wait. I don't call anything the final. I thought Rocky Three was going to be the last one, and look what happened there. Now they've made eight Rocky movies, and the seventh one, Creed, he was nominated for an Oscar for that one. Okay, interesting. Now, I know you spoke with the Canadian actress Mackenzie Davis, who's in Terminator Dark Fate, and that's going to be in the Cineplex magazine. Did you have some insider scoop on that? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, it was a great interview. I really liked her. If people don't know who she is, she was Tully in Tully, the Charlize Theron movie. Uh, and she was Mariette in Blade Runner 2049, the sort of pleasure replicant. So we talked a lot about filming Terminator and how it was filmed in Spain, at least partly in Spain, during the European heat wave of 2018. And we talked about this 
two weeks that they spent filming on this highway in Spain where it was like 45 degrees and they're on black asphalt um, and just how difficult that was to film. And I, I'm not going to say any more, but pick up the issue and you'll find out that the story also includes flies and manure. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, be sure to pick up the October-November issue of Cineplex Magazine in theaters. You can check it out online as well, cineplex.com slash magazine. And uh, we'll be talking more about Terminator Dark Fate in an upcoming episode of Hello Movies. Awesome. Thanks so much, Marnie. Thank you. And that's a wrap. We'll be back with a new episode in a few weeks. Please subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. On our next episode of Hello Movies, we'll be talking about the same movie everyone else is talking about, Joker. Plus, Will Smith's Gemini Man. And we've got a special guest joining us, director Kevin Smith. I'm already freaking out. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. If you have comments or questions about anything you heard on the podcast, let us know at hellomovies at cineplex.com. Hello Movies is brought to you by Cineplex Entertainment. Lori Ulster is the writer of our podcast. Colton Eddy is our producer. Philip Zivkov is our sound designer and mixer. Our series consultant is Jeff Ulster. And our executive producer is Catherine Jen. I'm Lana Gay. Thanks for listening and see you at the movies. Movies.